a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today, we are into A Storm of Swords, John 2, uh, where we will be talking about wargs. The Horn of Winter even comes up in this and, and all other kinds of stuff. George, uh, George's foresight into the future whenever he wrote this chapter. Uh, and it's, it's a good one. But Matt, how are you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing good. You know, I uh, worked like, I don't know. 20 i worked like 19 out of 20 days uh, over the past like two weeks you know so i was like now it's like all right i'm back to having my like you know normal your life back. Part, part yeah exactly uh <laughs> and it's wow. best time because football is coming back this year and you know you and i did that big iceberg and it's like i haven't even touched editing on it uh mostly yet so for the to do a big youtube video and stuff like that so hammering at some of that already got it started today so hammering some of that out listen to a few chapters today it feels good to be to be like all right now i'm back in my flow man how are you doing jimmy that's the real question you know i have staff infection which <laughs> sucks uh and these antibiotics i'm taking are just right they're they're my, my stomach feels like flea bottom right now i mean it is it is out and about and uh down in dirty it's it's not good but uh it's it seems like it's going to be clearing up here soon so i'm happy about that real busy um it's just weird. Even if you don't have kids or you're not in school, I feel like back to school is just when people start scheduling a bunch of stuff and you're like, who decided to do all these things back to back to back? Like we need, we need to communicate better. You know, it's true. It's yeah. Just, it's too it, much. It's, it's, it is. No, you're correct. It is true. I always feel like the beginning of the school year is always that like, all right, I feel like, I don't Maybe it's because I, you know, took like 15 years to get through college. So it's just like, <laughs> oh, man, I always feel like it's the beginning of the school year is like when things, you know, start again. I'm still. still I always get surprised by it. I'll be at the mall, you know, shopping for books or something. I'm like, why are all these kids here? This is annoying. I'm like, oh, it's back to school shopping season. Of course it is. But, you know, the real key is just don't leave your house. You can sit there with your Song of Ice and Fire book, you know, in your collection mm -hmm. and just read through those. And I've been playing. uh boulders gate three like a madman i i was so excited that it came out on playstation and i've just been cooped up on the couch taking antibiotics and slaying goblins and it is uh beyond exciting it's also really fun because i always try to throw a little bit of a uh a song of ice and fire twist on my character when i can uh there's a lot of characters that i love in fantasy but a lot of times i end up just being arthur dane and just roaming around with my sword just seeing what i can slay Hey, there you go, man. Let's go. You know, I just, uh, I just got a, I just got a PS5 because my computer is like dead. I tried to play Starfield on it and it, uh, it was not having it. And then I tried to fix it and mm. opened it up for surgery, and it was not a good idea. Uh, I was really hoping to try and, you know, bear, uh, and Darian this thing back to life <laughs> a little bit, but it not happened. So I said, all right, I'm done. I think I'm done with PC gaming. I'm just going to move over to the PlayStation five. I was a toss up between it and the Xbox, but I've been a PlayStation guy. Now you have a PlayStation. We can play Baldur's Gate three and That's you true. can pick whatever you want. We'll co-op and I will be a paladin and I will be barrist in the bold. There we go. You know, we can now that I also I also up, I had to upgrade my Internet because I live in an area where I was just kind of could only have good old CenturyLink for or Lumen, as they call themselves now for. And it sucked. The Internet was terrible. I could never lie. Like when we could like live stream like this through stream stream yard, which we've obviously done in the past. But it's like trying to live stream like a video game or something. That's a different ball game. Not different ball game. Not happening. But now I can, and I think it'd be fun. You know, football season's coming up, so that's going to eat some of my time. But at the same time, I kind of want to do some live streaming. There are some cool Game of Thrones video games. Like, I think it'd be fun to do, like, that Telltale one. Because there's oh, some yeah. stuff in there, by the way. Uh, the Ironwoods and the North Grove. The we talked about it. The Heart oh. of Winter. We, sh heart of we winter? should. Well, there's the, there's the North Grove. And Is it the I, in the heart of winter? I think that's what it's called, right? I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while you look that up, I have to say, and we'll talk about this when we get to today's chapter, which is John two of a storm of swords. You know, we went through what we did. We wanted to do our kind of a fun summer project where we did the iceberg of a night of the seven kingdoms, but now back into the main reread here, I went back and I listened to the Catlin chapter two. And, you know, we were talking about like Jane Westerling and stuff like that. And, like, keep your wolf close and it was just honestly like such a good chapter to go back to. And they're talking about, 
you know, all of these like small little houses, like even the Westerlings, you kind of forget at this point in Game of Thrones, they're kind of small. But man, you know, uh, in that Game of Thrones video game, the Telltale one, did you looked it up? Did it say uh, the Heart of Winter is actually just what Bran? By the way, this is actually really interesting. I've never really thought about this. It's a place glimpsed by Bran Stark when he is lying in a coma after his fall from the tower. Bran looks beyond the wall and beyond the curtain of light, possibly an aurora borealis, at the edge of the world into what he calls the Heart of Winter, which I have a very good feeling is where the culture of the White Walkers are. And could you know, be. Ah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, well, and that North Grove, I mean, I have to go look exactly how much George was was help was writing or involved in that uh, in that telltale video game. I mean, he was heavily involved in Elden Ring, and I would imagine he was probably involved in that. There is that other one, which I want to we want to dive into as well. Mm -hmm. And then there's also Crusader Kings, which is like a uh, kind of like a Regency simulator, mm -hmm. I guess. And it is a blast. I love it. Like, I love it so much. Uh, it's very involved. But once you get into it um, and there is multiplayer, you can there's an A Song of Ice and Fire mod it overhauls everything about the game, including like the mechanics of the game are called mm -hmm. different things because they just went really hard on it. Um, but that is probably the best A Song of Ice and Fire inspired game thing I've ever played. It's so good. Yeah. There is an actual, so that's like, for those people who don't know, that's like Age of Empires or like, uh, what's Somewhat the board game? Strategy what's, game. What's the board game uh, where you where you conquer the world? Um, how much? Risk. Risk. Uh, right, right. For like people, yeah. So who aren't as familiar with video games. Um, but yeah, you get troops and you get to move around and stuff like that. There is an actual Game of Thrones one that came out like before the TV show. It's terrible. It's called Game of Thrones Genesis. And like everyone says it's awful, but it's kind of funny to see the character art and everything because now it's like it's all obviously based off the TV show. But to see yeah. some like how they had it before. Yeah, I have the RPG um, uh, board game and the art came out before the television show. And it's remarkable how Arya in that board game looks just like Macy Williams like it looks yeah. just like her so I guess maybe George hadn't had the idea prior to the show I don't know but um, I always like seeing those games or any media that came out um, that displays the characters before the adaptation because some of them you know well, you, perfect cast on the on like the wiki and stuff like that like that's some of the artwork they use because there's never really been any other artwork provided the best is i have that little game of thrones like little board game mm -hmm. and um hand of the king is what it's called and it's kind of fun and uh, a lot of times you'll see that artwork used and it's just like real cartoonish but it's what they have it's the only artwork that kind of like official somewhat official artwork that exists yeah i mean there's a lot of artworks that went out in special editions of the books um, but they're really hard to find uh i would say the folio society ones by i think it's oliver burton are my uh, those are my actual favorite uh, a song of ice and fire uh paintings or art or whatever you want to call it and they come in the folio society special edition books i mean just really incredible illustrations and and borders on like horror vibes more than just like grand epic fantasy and it's really really cool especially the feast for crows one it is excellent yeah the calendar as well the yeah. like, game of thrones official account song of ice and fire calendar that they put out every year it has like amazing artwork. So every time, sometimes when I'm putting together a video, I'll like click and I see, I'm like, where is this thing? We're like, is this like a fan mate? No, but it's from the, it's from the calendar. Yeah. The calendars, I, I get them every year and I always look forward to them. Some years are better than others. Uh, it just depends. Uh, but the last two calendars have been pretty strong. So uh, you can always get those. Uh, George always announces them on his blog. So the 2024 one's already been announced. I think you can order it uh, on Amazon. I think is where his link leads to. So for all the, super fans out there that want some more memorabilia around your house. If you're like me and want to fill every room with a song of ice and fire theme stuff. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, I was looking real quick here to see if there's any news, but with the writer strike and everything, there really is it. So. Nope. We'll just... Nope. Right. <laughs> Not a blog. It was, you know, he said that he's working on the winds winter every day and slowly, but surely. So keep on chugging George. <laughs> yeah. Please, love of God. 
get into something. Uh, get it, get it going. So, all right. So let's dive into today's chapter, which is John 2 of A Storm of Sword. So John is observing Mance's host, taking notes of all the giants and mammoths that make up the army. Tormund is telling John some tales about himself when an eagle that was once um, oral, orals, uh, rakes John's face. Rattleshirt has arrived to bring John before Mance, this time at the Fist of the First Men. The king confronts John about how many men were at the Fist and who led. John, seeing how many of the Watch died here and realizing Mance may kill him for lying, tells him the truth. The situation is still tense. John feels that Mance may still have him killed because John lied to him previously. Briefly, he thinks about attacking Mance, but Ygritte saves him by telling him they're lovers. The wildling respects any man who steals his woman, and Raider informs John that he will be leaving with Steer and Jarl on the morrow on the morrow to climb the wall. That night, John and Ygritte share a bed together. Giggity. Uh yeah, this chapter uh has a lot of good stuff and at the center of it all is John Snow's many allegiances and many duties and many <laughs> many ties uh to different groups of people and i was talking to someone today uh who is a pretty pretty uh in-depth reader of the series and they were just talking about how they're more general friends who don't read a lot and definitely don't read a lot of fantasy whenever they read these books even before the tv show back in the day uh hated john snow and they hated john because he didn't keep his oaths and they felt like he he kind of betrayed the night's watch and his house uh of house stark and i just thought that was really interesting because uh, Matt, Matt, am I right when saying that we both love Jon Snow, right? Oh, John. Yeah, John's my favorite character. He is to me. Uh, John is one in of my both favorite. in both the show and the and the books. Yes, I think John is fantastic. And it's just surprising to me. I do see like more of a, the general population and for the books, specifically the books. We're leaving the show out of this. Don't like John. They think he's an entitled brat kind of and. Uh, they, they think that he's a little too wishy-wash and he's always kind of mopey and complaint, which, which he is a little bit brooding for sure. Uh, but I guess I've never really seen him in a negative light before. Uh, I just, it, it boggles my mind that people hate Jon Snow. Yeah. I think, uh, what caused me to like him initially was when I first started watching game of Thrones, cause I watched before I dove into the books and you know, it's, you've got stuff going on in Winterfell, you got stuff going on in King's Landing, Daenerys is over here. But the thing that I found the most interesting and I think it's just because again that prologue is this the or the opening scene in Game of Thrones with the White Walkers is so interesting. I was like, well, this is the guy that's dealing with that. That's Yeah. like way more and then, you know, Ned Stark saying winter is coming. It's like, yeah, none of this other stuff matters. Mm -hmm. Right? So that was the character that I found most interesting and then what's the deal with his mom so that's to me why john immediately was like my favorite character because he was the one i was most in his storyline was the one i was most interested in yeah and he's the closest to the war gang and a lot of i mean we have giants in this chapter and by the way this the just the scene setting of the mammoths and the giant riders and how many there were there there must be hundreds john thinks and i'm just like holy cow uh these things are not common like they're not common in westeros certainly not common in our world so like seeing that through john's eyes to me is like some of my favorite parts of the series when it comes to just like the fantastical but also i've always just found the the dynamics between him and all the characters north very interesting uh from you know jor mormont to mance raider to Tormund to uh pick any of the night's watch guys sam small paul it doesn't matter who it is uh it, up there at the wall i've always just found it really interesting and then in dance of dragons i think it, it gets leveled up whenever you get stannis up there and melisandre it's like holy crap john has pulled in so many different ways uh, i just don't i can't help but to be enthralled in his story so it's just you know and i know everyone has an opinion and, and there's plenty of characters to choose from this series to latch on to but for me john has always been at the top of the list or near the top i should say yeah and then it does it also helps that he as the series progress sort of becomes the like the main main character he is the ice and ice and fire yes for sure yeah. and and also in dance of dragons there's a obvious dynamic going on and I, sh I shouldn't say dynamic but uh, a comparison between danny and john and the situations that they're they're put in like they're very very 
good man they're good have good intentions but the worst things come from that and it's also like the price of of doing those things right like bringing refugees of wildlings beneath the wall but also daenerys trying to free the slaves and the follow of that i mean a lot of people end their fantasy story with that happening everyone says yay you know and that's kind of it so I think George actually doesn't get enough credit for how nuanced he has for people who are taking responsibility and trying to do the right things. Right. No. Yeah. yeah I agree. Um, let's dive. Let's dive in here a little bit. Um, I always like to read just some of the some of the opening here. So big enough for you. Snowflake speckled Tormund's broad face melting in his hair and beard. The giants swayed slowly atop the mammoths as they rode past two by two. John's Garen uh, shed, uh, John's Garen shield, frightened by such strangeness. But whether it was the mammoths or their riders that scared him, it was hard to say. Even Ghost backed off a step, baring his teeth in a silent snarl. The dire wolf was big, but the mammoths were a deal bigger, and there were many and more of them. John took the horse and John took the horse in hand and held him still so he could count the giants emerging from the blowing snow and pale mist that swirled along the milk water. He was well beyond 50 when Tormund said something and he lost the count. There must be hundreds. No matter how many went past, they just seemed to keep coming. In old Nan's stories, giants were outsized men who lived in colossal castles, fought with huge swords and walked away in walked about in boots a boy could hide in. These were something else, more bear-like than human. As And as woolly as the mammoths they rode, seated, it was hard to say how big they truly were. Ten feet tall, maybe, or twelve, John thought. Maybe fourteen, but no taller. Their sloping chests might have passed for those of men, but their arms hung down too far, and their lower torsos looked half again as wide as their upper. Their legs were shorter than their arms, but very thick, and they wore no boots at all. Their feet were broad, splayed things, hard and horny and black. Necklace, their huge, heavy heads thrust forward from between between their shoulder blades and their faces were squashed and brutal rats eyes no larger than beads were almost lost within folds of horny flesh but they snuffed constantly they snuffled constantly smelling as much as they saw yeah they're not wearing skins john realized that that's hair <laughs> yeah shaggy pelts uh covered their bodies thick below the way sparser above uh the stink that came off of them was choking but perhaps that was the mammoths and joramon blew the horn of winter and woke giants from the earth that is a line that i underlined three times also would you say it's joramon or joramon i would say joramon <laughs> I think Roy Detree says Jormon, and I feel well, like he that's don't what count. Mo- he gets all right. I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do feel like that is what most of the fandom has d- decided it is called. Okay, so this is massive, right? And Joramon blew the horn of winter and woke giants from the earth. The song never says if the horn can put them back to sleep. So this is that horn of winter coming up, uh, which we've speculated a lot about, and. You know, the more I think about this stuff, the more I, I think that the Horn of Winter is going to be something that we just totally don't expect. And I know me and you have talked about what if they got switched and the wall comes down. What if the horn is the key to beating the White Walkers? Remember how we were talking it has to be a key to shut mm-hmm. them off? And mm-hmm. we bounce back and forth, whether it be a figurehead or like whatever it might be. But like, what if the Horn of Winter is one of those things that could do this? And people think it's going to bring down the wall or, or something else. And, and maybe it doesn't maybe, maybe dragon binder or dragon binding horns don't do what we think they do. So I love that this gets brought up here and it also brings up a, a you know, were the giants naturally here the whole time Did they evolve mm-hmm. in Westeros. Cause you know, we hear a little bit about them in the world of ice and fire, but largely their um, tribes and culture is kind of unexplored. And John is getting a fresh look just as we are as the reader, because we hadn't really seen them before this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you also got to remember this is, we, we talked about, think about this, like, while giants may not necessarily be magical, right? It is still something that we're seeing beyond the wall that you would no otherwise see. Yes on the other side of the wall. And that's actually kind of a theme in this chapter. And something I kind of picked up on was 
like just how different it is, how different the wildlings are. Because I I got a map and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up here. Because I think sometimes we think about like the wildlings almost like prisoners or something, you know, like because it's like where they yeah. live on that side of the wall, and it's we always it's like this southern point of view is the way we view them. But the north is like what they call the north, as opposed to like the south, you know, you mm -hmm. southerners below your wall. It's pretty big. Oh, it's man, like. And a, a lot of these people go and they live their lives and they, they would have no idea what's going on in King's Landing. Some of them might not even know it exists. It's right? like living I mean, in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> to all of our faithful Mobile, Alabama listeners. I'm just joking. Yeah. So so here's a map. And this is one of my favorite maps of the of the Wilding yeah. I mean, if you look up here in the um, I got my cursor up here. I mean, look how big that is. Just that, that this little section here is almost just as big as, you know, uh, like the north itself. And the north I mean, is multiple times bigger than Dorn. Oh, multiple times bigger, bigger than Dorn. I mean, it's almost as big as like, you know, here's like King. Here's like the Stormlands into the Crownlands, uh, then the Reach and Dorn. I mean, that's almost just as big as that section. So, I mean, it's. It's a, it's just a little under a third of all of Westeros, if you include the the north as as part of it. Now we don't know how much further it extends going up, but I mean it's it's pretty big, really. Yeah, I and uncharted being the keyword on this map on, on lands of always winter, and we just talked about the heart of winter. Uh, this is something George, I have to imagine, is going to go into in the final two books mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, that we yeah we could end up going and then here you so over here you've got the giant stairs, which goes right down into the fist of the first man. So this is over here where uh, maybe the giants you know live more like that. I mean, look how much further away the fens are, right? We see them like in in the show, right? They're like the cannibals, and John's going to be dealing with them here shortly. But even they live like way far away from say hard home. Or yeah. like down here, like Crasher's Keep and stuff like that. So I think sometimes we forget it. And that's some of that stuff comes up when they talk about the wildling culture. And it's one of the things I actually kind of forgot about as to maybe one of the reasons why Agret actually likes John as much. And Tormund brings it up at the end of this chapter where he's like, actually, by our customs, he's like, it, like, Agret might just like you because she likes you. But kind of by our customs, you've actually already like taken Agret. It's like you kind of took her captive, which by our customs means like, no, she's like your wife now. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, he's that's kind of like. Customs in like <laughs> right. Is So I, I actually kind of like forgot about that for a second where we sort of just think like, well, John, you know, she kind of takes John captive after he takes her captive. But. By their customs, I mean, you know, they like they always they say they steal their their women, <laughs> which for better, uh, right, or obviously worse. Yeah. But in like John and Agret's case, it kind of works out, I guess. But by their customs, that's kind of the way it is. So it's kind of this chapter actually does even dive a little bit further into just like how the wildlings actually live. Yeah, for sure. And and I always thought it was interesting that the Fens are so far north, like they're so far north, you know, near the lands of always winter. And like, are they a subset off of the others? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. assuming and again, I'm going with our theory that there are total different species almost. Right. And that they yeah. have their own culture. And yes, they are turning the dead into into, you know, the living again. But like at the core of them, there's something there that has already existed. And like the fens are cannibalistic. So the White mm -hmm. Walkers, like, are they possibly like some sort of weird, like human other hybrid? Well, we, we don't really know if the White Walkers are cannibalistic or not. I'm assuming. Because I am. I am definitely assuming be. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because remember, for those for those of you who are going hold on what what a second the book white walkers i love to i just try to bring this back up anytime the the white walkers of the books are kind of different than the white walkers in the show like in the show it's just ice zombies and like one mega ice zombie and then a few little you know like the yes. other ones the other, the other white walkers but in the books they they seem different they seem more intelligent we, and we don't know nearly as much about them George will definitely add nuance to that, uh, just like there's right. nuance to pretty much everything that he puts into these books the, for the most in, part. In the books, the children of the forest might not even have created them like they did in the show. 
That's right. That could be a totally Dan and Dave thing. Just right. like we don't uh, know that. We don't know yeah. that. And but it could be because it, I remember we did a dive back into a world of ice and fire, mm-hmm. uh, like a couple. Uh, well, it was a while ago. It's been but months it was, now. It's yeah, it's been months now. But we did it before we dove back into the reread because we're like, we want to just kind of do a re- quick refresher here before mm-hmm. we did this. And if you look at the language that they talk about, it's hard to tell exactly when the White Walker showed up. Yes, the timeline is extremely vague, and uh, I imagine that was probably on purpose because <laughs> George might be still figuring out some of the answers that, uh, to the questions that we're asking. Uh, but I just have that strong urge, and I think I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again, is that a lot of the inspiration that George took for Song of Ice Fire for many different things, but one of the major ones was Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn by Tad Williams, which is an epic fantasy trilogy. And the Sithy are very similar to White Walkers. And the Sithy were also kind of looked at as like a monstrous, you know, creatures or, you know, group of people. But turns out that there was a lot more nuance to them than it seemed at first light. So I kind of expect George to at least dabble in in some sort of nuance and culture for them. Uh, But we could be totally wrong. Maybe they are just mindless zombies just roaming down with no real motivations. But I, I don't I don't know. I don't think. Yeah. I, and I like, and I love how John also sort of in this chapter uh, and we'll, and we'll get to it here in a bit, but when he's, so he's talking to Torment a little bit and he's like, well, he's kind of shocked by the fact that he's now seen giants. And then he also, you know, talks about like grumpkins and snarks, right. Which they, yeah. said. And he's like, well, he's like, I don't know, maybe Torment will eat one here in a second. Uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> it could be, I, this is all new to him. I think that's uh, pretty much the next scene, right? Yeah, so he's there's still a little bit with the giants where he's he's asking Torment. He's like, does was that their king? He said giants don't ha- giants have no kings, no more than mammoths do. Um, he's like, you could kneel to him if you want. I know how you Southerners are. He's like, don't just be careful. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't step on you. And you can also see Torment's immediately kind of taking it interest in John and and liking John. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And and Tormund just seems to not take much serious as is like he's obviously a dangerous dude, but it's the best of the dangerous guys where it's like, if you don't give me a reason to chop off your hands, I'm not going to do it, but I can if I want. Yeah. And Tormund gives his stories right here where he talks about like how he he cut open a giant and slept in her stomach and then the giant didn't die. And then he, you know, she thought he was his baby. And so it's Mm -hmm. Tormund Giants bane which is what he's called because everyone thinks he killed a giant but he's like well they actually should call me torment giants babe which does go into the theories of why people think torment might secretly be somebody else um (laughs) his his speech doesn't really mess up here but it's because torment himself tells tales and so it's like oh his you know we have to look at how he's there's some inconsistencies in his speech patterns later down the road for sure Mm mm-hmm yeah and then he also tells you know sort of another one about like the snow bear and so he keeps going on and he's telling john some of these stories and so then you know he's asking him he's like well, why don't you get with a gret it doesn't it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to Tormund. doesn't make sense to me well well like if that gets changed a gret pulls a fast one on him at, at she the sure end does she <laughs> does so uh, John is also spending, he's spending most of his days in Egret company and nights as well. Mance Raider had not been blind to Rattleshirt's mistrust of the crow come over. So after he had given John his new sheepskin cloak and suggested he might want to ride with Tormund instead, John agreed. And the very next day, Egret and Longspear Rick left Rattleshirt's band for Tormund's as well. So like Egret keeps, she's wants to be by John. Every night when they made camp, Egret threw down her sleeping skins beside his no matter if he was near the fire or well away from it. Once he woke to find her nestled against, you know, against him, her arm across his chest, he, listening to her breathe for a long time, trying to ignore the tension in his groin. Rangers often uh, shared skins for warmth, but warmth was not all Egret wanted, he suspected. After that, he had taken to using ghosts to keep her away. Old Nan used to tell stories about knights and their ladies who would sleep in a single bed with a blade between them for honor's sake, but he thought this must be the first time where a dire wolf took the place of a sword. Dang. Dire dire wolf's better than a sword in this instance, possibly. I guess. (laughs) There's some tension. There's a little bit of tension, and his body's betraying him. (laughs) I mean, Jon Snow is in a very messy situation. And it's funny that he's just like accidentally fallen into 
like you were talking about, like the customs. Like now he's start right. starting to be a part of the wildling customs. And how far do you need to go to actually keep your word to Corn Halfhand, aka Arthur Dane? Like who knows? Yeah. Like well, it's funny. I will say that this one's funny. Sam's might be funnier with Gilly, because uh, Sam's like, uh, you know, <laughs> he's like, he's like, like, he's like really taking it back. He doesn't, you know, he does, he doesn't he's like know Sir what Ezra, to do. circa two thousand eight at the bar, Long Island, uh, Long Island <laughs> But, uh, but John's is. But John's here is pretty good too because he's still kind of like, oh, I don't know, what do I do, you know? <laughs> but does it, it is it is it only? I'm trying to remember if it's in the books, but I know in the show Sam says he's like, well, technically it doesn't say we can't lay with a woman; it just says we can't father any children. Hey, listen, you know, a young man knows. Torment brings Torment brings that up too. Hey. He's like, well, just he's like, just go drink some moon tea. There's some semantics they're, behind all this. They're pretty, they're pretty progressive up there. You know, young young crows know the rules. Old crows know how to work around them. To, to, to break the rules. That's right. Okay, so then John starts to look at her and, uh, you know, at first he kind of thinks, you know, she's ugly. But then he's like, well, I don't know. Maybe let me kind of look, <laughs> look at her a little differently here, right? says um you know when she's sitting by the fire and her hair is not as crooked as i thought or tangly as i thought and yeah he's getting the feels yeah you know that familiar familiar feeling around somebody you know and it just uh you know you're up in the north you're looking at torment and madness that smell bad uh, yeah i know i have seen uh some things i'm, I'm looking i have the been looking i always go back and look at like the reread Reddit to see what some people are saying about some of this. And it's brought up a few times here that, of course, you know, the way the wildlings call it is Gret is lucky because of her hair. So they a lot of people think she's beautiful because red hair was a rare was rare among the free folk. And it, those who had it were said to be kissed by fire, which was supposed to be lucky. Um, and I think even later when Tormund talks about it, he's like, you guys could have kids. He says a strong son or a lively laughing girl kissed by fire. Where's the harm in that? And so some people, so like, Oh, being potentially kissed by fire is lucky. Also a son or a daughter, you know, a daughter kissed by fire. Well, Jimmy, even though Daenerys's hair is blonde, is she not kissed by fire? I would say she definitely was kissed by fire when her dragons hatched. Without a doubt, my goodness. Could this be a? Could that be a, a thing too? Is John's what just color, got this thing for girls? What color hair does Val have? Oh, I think Val's is Val's is almost. I think Val has blonde hair, but it might be one of those things where they describe it as looking white because they're north, okay. Okay. which like some. But because some a, a big theory about Val is that she's a Targaryen. What Targaryen would she be? Well, if because Val is um <laughs> she's doll well she's Dala's sister. Okay. Yeah, some well some people think that Val is Val is uh <laughs> like well some people think that Val could be like Jon Snow's twin. Some people she think was take Well look, let me tell you. Oh no the other day oh, <laughs> here no. we go. Hold on. Hold on. And it's only because I was watching Game of Thrones and talking about the ice wall, but just real quick here about, about the earth being flat. Jeez. So TikTok, if you like like something on TikTok or something like that, man, you might entire algorithm change. And I came across this channel where people are talking about it and they think that there is that the Antarctica is like an ice wall, right? Have you seen this? No, it is. Oh, no, I haven't. <laughs> you should look it up. I, okay. I shouldn't. I, I, don't I because just... then your whole algorithm's jacked up. But you know, Westeros, it might the wall might go around the whole thing. Well, I do love that idea. Um, which I've been reading Book of the New Sun by Gene Wolfe, and there's a wall of Nessus in it. And George apparently did take some, not all. Hadrian's wall was his big inspiration. Um, but he also did look at the wall of Nessus, and it I think it actually goes all the way around the city, which is really interesting. Um 
I mean, Val is, Val is one of the most compelling characters with the biggest question marks around her. I have never once thought she was a real Targaryen, like never seriously considered that. Well, I think that everybody thinks everybody is, is a Targaryen. Yeah, I mean, that's just out of hand. You know what I mean? That's that's the silliest saying Dunk killed Sir Arlen. I mean, yeah. So let me pull it up here. This is this is from Reddit. And it's it's one of those, like you know, theories of the year type thing. Oh, my God. So. The the big theory on Val potentially being a Targaryen is that because she has the long hair, um, there's shocking uh, parallels between Val and other Targaryen uh, princesses, and like it's actually one of the like the best Song of Ice and Fire theory like redditors ever, which is Cantus who who. Um, mm-hmm who's has like he just that that guy just right i think it's a guy because i think he has like a youtube page basically writes like full-blown novels on his uh theories and some of them are like the like his one about the lost and shield is like arguably one of the cool best like single best game of thrones theories i've ever read and his tourney at Hall theory which is like it's i don't know it's like a 32 page theory it's pretty insane but he he yeah, he also makes the argument that Val could be a Targaryen. But I think in order to believe that, you'd have to, you know, it goes into the whole Mance Raiders, Rhaegar to the north. I mean, it's a big, lot of things have to happen. But it's that a is fragile some... theory is what I would call it. Yes, but some of it, and we could dive into it at some point. Maybe we could do like a page. We'll do another Val episode. We, we've, we had a, actually Val episode uh, on the YouTube is one of the most popular videos we've done. It right? is. It's our it's like it's like our number one YouTube search term is Val. Yeah. So people, oh, people we'll go back to Val. I'm interested. I think I think there's more compelling things for her to be than a Targaryen. Like, you know what I mean? I think people get zoned right. in like Skywalkers, and it's just like there's a whole lot of other cool stuff going on. Uh, right, especially in she the- may not survive. She may not survive Hard Home because remember Hard Home happens Ooh. differently in the in the show. Hard Home happens before John is killed. And in the books, Hard Home hasn't happened yet. So Hard Home is gonna happen in the upcoming in the upcoming books. So we'll have to see how that how that plays. That's whether right. everybody makes it out or everybody just gets massacred. We don't know. Because Val is sent right now at the end of a Dance of Dragons. She's going off to Hard Home to try and save everybody. Yeah. And there was like an original character in the show who I always forget her name, but she essentially sort of a lot of people think maybe she was playing that Val role where it's like her and her son. And then she gets turned into, she's like only in like that one episode. I always forget her name, but then she uh, gets turned into a white after uh, she's killed there. Yeah. So, Val, Val has a pretty big role to play. I think at least at the wall uh, in the next book, I don't know if she'll make it all the way through even through hard home. Maybe she won't, but I, I don't know. I felt like George is going for something a little bit more there, but we'll have to see. Well, I do think that she is going to be a love interest for John. And I think that a lot of it, if you actually look at a lot of language, like especially in this chapter here, um, it's kind of similar to the way that John and Agret go, which and like their relationship too, also kind of leads me to think that I could, I could see the possibility of John and Danny not happening. If John and Val does happen, because are you, is he going to lose two wildling? wives be, and then go with danny he, it's like he dan john and danny may not happen in the books i don't i mean yeah, not like well, not like that not like they might be like oh, hey we're both targaryens but it may not be like a love i don't think it'll be thing. a love thing um supposedly dan and dave came up with that entire storyline and the ending during season four and that was a strictly dan and dave thing so i i don't personally think that's going to happen uh, also, I think if you try to shoehorn in Val as a love interest and then Danny, it would be way too it's much. Too, it's too much in two books. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. So. Yeah. Unless it unless John's does end and it's sort of like he go when he goes back to the wall at the end, like if that does happen still somehow, John's like, I'm just going to go north at the end. Then like maybe he could be like, well, I'll just go be with Val. And that's kind of a little thing yeah, for possibly. us here but because yeah. you look at some of this stuff here too so like a saying you know you're a free man now or this is Tormund saying uh to john trying to convince her he's like you're a free man now and a is a free woman what dishonor is it if you lay with her well i might get her with child i i'd hope so a strong son or lively laughing girl kissed by fire where's the harm in that words failed him for a minute you know the boy the child would be a bastard and then torment 
Are bastards weaker than other children's, more sickly, more likely to fail? No, you're bastard born yourself. And if regret does not want a child with you, she'll go to some woods witch and drink a cup of moon tea. You do not come into it, you know, once the seed is planted. I will not father a bastard. Tormund shook his shaggy head. What fools you kneelers be? Why did you steal the girl if you don't want her? Steal? I never... You did, said Tormund. <laughs> you slew the two she was with and carried her off. What do you call it? I took her prisoner. You made her yield to you. Um, yes, but Tormund, I swear I never touched her. Are you, you know, and then he goes into like you know, some other stuff too, where he's like, are you sure like you're not gay, essentially? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is what do you ask him? But that's where we're talking about that. Like the, the, um, the customs, you know, it's totally like a Gret might be viewing John as like, she are, might, might already be viewing John because, you know, th this is what they've been led to believe is like you essentially at some point get taken by a man. Like they come and steal you. So she might be looking, she's might already be looking at John as like, this is my guy. He's already stole me. Yeah. And beyond that, even uh, looking at this from John Snow's, you know, point of view and where he's come from. This is the first time in his life he's being told that being a bastard isn't a bad thing. They don't care. <laughs> They're like, well, that's silly. If it was done out of love, like who, who really get, who, who gives two shits, you know? And I, that they might is, not even know the word. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's a complete flip for John. And now you can kind of start to see if you, if you're thinking from his point of view, like, Hey, they're not so bad. They were actually nice to me. <laughs> like, exactly. I, I don't know. They didn't mind my parentage that I had no control over. Uh, and it, it's just interesting that for John, because you can imagine he's probably fighting that inside as he's having this conversation. It's why he says, I will not father a bastard. And Tormund's just like, dude, whatever. That's fine. Like, nobody cares. No one cares. Right. Well, and it's, it's literally look how, look at just how differently they view themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the there's a big difference between their wildlings. You know, that's a, like in a way, it's a derogatory term. That's yeah, yeah. You know, it's not sure. Well, it could be somewhat racist because they, uh, but it's a derogatory slanderous term. It's a derogatory term. Whereas mm -hmm. they're like we're free folk. I mean, a huge difference Massive. in the in the connotation of how you, that's right. you know, yeah. Of how of how you view it, and it's do they? We've talked about this before too, with like with um, Tyrion, is like they almost view the Moon Clan people more with more reverence than they do the Wildlings. Just barely, just barely, just, but just barely. Yeah. But yes, because they still live south of the Wall. Yes, because it's of course no one that doesn't belong to our nation could be happy <laughs> right they of course are miserable and want to be part of westeros and i think i you know that's a big point of contention it's like you know the wildlings are always trying to come south of the wall they want what we have and it's like no we just don't believe that you should be able to stake claim borders aren't real get lost nerds yeah. like that that's i'd rather be, i would actually probably be a, rather be a wildling than i would in the moon oh, clans dude, yeah for sure the moon clans are like app well well they're like appalachia i mean they're like real yeah, back already done that I'm yeah yeah I mean, yeah <laughs> i mean they're like real backwoods in westeros as opposed to the wildlings almost feel a little more sophisticated yeah it's like I, uh, you know yeah. what i should start calling them the free folk the free folk let's let's clean yeah it up let's here, okay? let's clean it up a little bit okay this is we're uh yeah we're a we're a pro free folk podcast here okay that's right. yeah that's right yeah we're not talking we about do... the subreddit we're just talking about well yeah people. don't go there yeah <laughs> That's real free over there. Real free. Yeah, the free folk. That we got to start calling them that. Yes, the free folk are not the enemy. By God, no, no, they're not. Although John does get attacked here in a second, so he sure does. He gets attacked by a bird. Yeah, um, we'll get to there too. But here we go. So I do kind of like here as they're they keep going and John's thinking, why well, you know talking about. So John uh, actually thinks about it too. He says, you know, they have no laws, no honor, not even simple decency. They steal endlessly from each other, breed like beasts, prefer rape to marriage and fill the world with baseborn children. Yet he was uh, growing fond of Tormund Giantsbane, great bag of wind and lies, though he was long spear as well. And Agret, no, I will not think about Agret. So he's, his ideas are beginning to become a little challenged here. As they should, and and I would say the traveler traveling is the great humbler uh, in in the human experience. 
Yeah. Um, so then he's then he's going on just talking about other one other wild things as well. There was other folks fiercer than Veramir from the northernmost reaches and the haunted forest, the hidden valleys of the frost fangs, even queerer places, the men of the frozen shore who rode in chariots made of walrus bones pulled along by packs of savage dogs. Um, and let me pull the map back up here too, because that's like one place we don't we don't ever go to, but people do, we just uh, get a see you know he, people from here i mean look at that look, the frozen shores over here in like the bay of ice and everything we don't ever see we never go that we never travel there but i mean that's pretty far out there when you really look at it oh it definitely is i mean it's as far west as the lands of always winter it's just south yeah hmm. and it, it also just caused you to think like i mean right it's like why don't these obviously these people can build boats i mean they could just like sail right here you know, just well, sell, it might right? have ice or something in it. Like it could be just that, or I don't know. Maybe they get boats get raided uh, by free folk. Because Skagos on the other side, Skagos isn't well. It's it's on this map uh, up here. You, uh, this little continent way up here. If you can see that, mm -hmm. my cursor. Um, I mean, obviously they sail they sail there, but it might be a warmer ocean over there. Yeah, but... I think that that's probably likely. Yeah. So I'm just kind of interesting to kind of see like really because Mance Raider, remember, he goes around all these different places and unites all these different clans. I mean, that's a lot of traveling, a lot of totally different cultures that Mance is doing here. So, <clears throat> OK, so uh, continuing on here, this is where John starts to think, well, I might have to actually sleep with regret because... Corn hat corn told me ride with them, eat with them, fight with them. The ranger had told him the night before and watch, but all this watching, he learned little. The half hand had suspected that the wildlings had gone up into the bleak and barren frost fangs in search of some weapon, some power, some sorcery to which with which to break the wall. But if they had found any such, no one was boasting it openly or showing it to John, nor had Mance confided any of his plans or strategies. Since that first night, he had hardly seen the man save at a distance. You know, I'll kill him if I must. And then we'll get to that thing here in a bit where John is in the uh, he's in the room. He's right there with Mance and Mance is walking up to him. And he thinks he's going to kill him. We see it in the show as well, but it's done a little differently. And man's looks at the sword he's like if you even think about it you're you're just gonna it's gonna be over for you yeah and uh that's a pretty tense moment for john and that probably pushes him a little bit further thinking well maybe i will just uh do the old hanky panky with uh yagret and save my life yeah and uh here they're also at so uh, during this whole scene too uh mance is asking john about like you know who was here, whose camp was this, all of these things. And John ends up telling him, you know, it was the old bear, it was Mormont. And John's kind of also thinking too, like Mormont might, uh, I'm hoping that Mormont comes and saves me with this big, huge army. Of course, we know that that's not going to happen. But I mean, do you think that they actually could have won? That Mormont could have actually won? No. <laughs> no, 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 there are hundreds of without the wall, the Night's Watch are doomed. Which I would argue there's a chance they were going to be doomed anyway because Mance Raider is very capable. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty huge army. It is. Massive. Do you think if Mance had if if Mance had actually gotten south of the wall, yeah, with like an actual army, like a full wildling army. What do you think he would have been like? Let's take over, or do you think he could have just been like, "We're safe"? I think he probably would have, uh, you know, pillaged. Uh, the free folk would have taken what they wanted up in the north. But do I think that they're going to be like going down to King's Land? No, no, not at all. I don't think they have any interest in like usurping or any of that. I think they just simply wanted to go where they where they wanted. And I also don't know if they'd like the warm weather. <laughs> Right. I don't know how the mammoths would fare down in that climate either. So right. now I think they probably would have went up north and then it would have been up to the Lord Paramount of the North to, you know, at our start Starks to try to weed them out and then maybe reinforcements come. I think it would have been a long. Well, but I mean, talking, so I'm talking about like right now. So if like right now, Mance actually okay. brings this army. If Mance brings this army south of the wall. No, he's just trying to get safe. He's not he's not trying to fight a big war with the people. I, I kind of feel like maybe they're just they would have went straight to Winterfell because that would have that's like the biggest holding up there. And yeah. Winterfell's in complete disarray right now. 
Yeah, I think they probably would have went to Winterfell. I don't think the Boltons would have. I don't think the Boltons would have any shot at. No, because remember, forces I mean, are. We still know. We know. Swords. Right. We know it's the it's the Boltons um, yes. that are in in the process of taking over right now, but. Yeah, and we're also in a storm of swords, so all the forces are still south. Uh, they're you know they're south of Moat Caitlin. So, no, I I think that they could have taken Winterfell easily. I think they also could have fought off the Ironborn most likely, because uh, I mean we're talking about giants here, hundreds of giants. Crazy. Yeah, and and John even thinks too. He's like you know, the old bear and all of his men. They would be mounted. They would just come and he would just decimate them and they sort of think it would be difficult for them to attack yeah him because he because he would be able to you know hey. bear in the jorah mormont thought that the uh dothraki you know what would they be able to do against my armor and the dothraki's like no you're slow bro like you're so right. slow uh now does armor make a difference of course it does or people wouldn't wear it uh but i don't know i think john is underselling uh, the wildlings capability and the martial arts. It's, it's kind of their territory too. I mean, I know the night's watch is up right. there, but it's, but it's totally different. It's totally different of being at the wall and like being even over at the fist of the first metal, put the map back up again. I mean, look how far away you are from the wall. And I don't know how accurate this, um, this legend is up here talking about, you know, it might be like 600 kilometers or I don't know, but I don't even know. What th- I don't even know what that is. I don't know yeah. how many what, what a kilometer is. We're Americans. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. Uh, I don't know what a thousand miles, kilo, attempt. I'm just going to not I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut on this one. Yeah. So anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know that he would have been able to hold him, especially if the giants come. I don't think they they're they're at all equipped. Even if you can like dig trenches and stuff, I don't think that's going to stop giants. No, not at all. Yeah, the, John says the old bear will will through the um, will through them like an axe through porridge, and I don't think that would happen at all. So okay, so uh, we continue on a little bit here. We're going into the camp. There's a song that's being sung. Uh, in the stony halls, they burn their giant, their great fires. In the stone halls, they forgive their sharp spears. Whilst I walk alone in the mountains with no true companion but tears. They hunt me with dogs in the daylight. They hunt me with torches by night. For those men who are small can never stand tall, while giants still walk in the light. Oh, I am the last of the giants, so learn well the words of my song. For when I am gone, the singing will fade, and the silence uh, shall last long and long. And then a great. Uh, cries and John says you know it's only a it's only a song there's hundreds of giants I've seen them you know oh hundreds said she said furiously you know nothing John Snow well the giants are still dying yeah they're dying out so okay um, continuing on here John turned to the sudden sound of wings blue gray feathers and this is where he's attacked by the bird um, and Agret sort of ends up ends up saving him but there is a really interesting uh line i uh pulled out of here where john's talking about you know well he died um but perhaps he he warged into that bird and some part of him lingers still yes this is uh definitely something that we should be keeping our eyes on uh can a bird hate john had slain the wildling orel but some part of the man remained within the eagle the golden eyes looked out on him with cold uh, uh mel sorry uh i'll come he said the blood kept running down into his right eye and his cheek was a blaze of pain when he touched his black gloves it came away stained red let me catch my garin uh he could be leagues away by now, ripping out the throat of some elk. Perhaps it was just as well. So this is definitely hinting at warging being something that can extend past death, possibly. And then obviously we know with or all the context that the Dance of Dragons prologue shows exactly this pretty much. So this is pretty major. I mean, this is stuff that George wrote back, you know, 20 years ago. And I think that this was always planned to go into the story of Jon Snow and his eventual death and resurrection, I think. Yeah. Now, remember, it's it's it kind of interesting to think about where George is at in this writing process, because here he is in A Storm of Swords. And he may not have thought it was going to be seven books at this point, because his original plan was three. 
it's hard, you know, it's hard to say. And then he sort of thought everything that was going to, he thought a feast for crows and a dance of dragons was going to be one book. Right. So maybe he was at this point. Yeah. He is maybe thinking at this point, the end of my next book, a feast for crows will be John's death. So, you know, I wanting to put this in here to set up, uh, you know, that moment later in the end of my next book because we're still early they are only in chapter 15 of a storm of swords yeah and it's just impressive to think that he was planning this far out now we do know at this point since storm of swords he knew it was going to be more than three books i think he was thinking five at this point because this is when the time skip is still planned so it was supposed mm-hmm. to have that five-year gap and then books four and five would basically wrap up the series you would have five years in between obviously that didn't end up happening uh, which I think is actually a good thing, but here we are. So I think he was definitely thinking about John's resurrection at this point and uh, was probably thinking, how can we expand on this warg stuff? Cause we have Bran, Arya has a little bit of this. And then obviously there's John and ghost, but he really wanted to set in stone that there's more to this. And also we see these things from a fairy tale aspect a lot of the times, right? People are saying, oh, there's a myth of warging and Rob Stark turns into a wolf and rips out Lannister throats. And we're like, oh, that didn't actually happen. Like, we know that didn't happen. But George is saying, well, there might be some myths around it, but let me show you something real. And this is definitely that big hint. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So basically it kind of just ends here with, we, we've already talked about it a little bit, which is where John is in and he's going to try and kill Mance. And then Gret ends up ultimately saving him, uh, you know, asking about like where he's sleeping and everything. And, you know, Gret says, uh, well, he's going to be sleeping with me tonight, essentially. Right. We've already she says we've already, you know, we've been sleeping together. Uh, and then John just sort of uh, she ends up getting him out of it. And then the last, some of the last lines here, you know, sure you, uh, sure you are that. Are you, you great laughed atop the stones, the ring wall ghost hunch with the white furs, uh, bristling. He made no sounds with the dark red eyes spoke blood. The Lord of bones moved his hand slowly away from his sword, backed off a step and left them with a curse. Ghost padded beside their garrons uh, as John and Agret descended the fist. It was not until they were halfway across the milk water that John felt safe enough to say, I never asked you to lie for me. I never did, she said. I left out part is all. You said that we beneath your cloak many a night. I never said when we started, though. The smile she gave was almost shy. Find another place for ghosts to sleep tonight, Jon Snow. It's like Mance said, deeds are truer than words. Also, just like the line uh, where he, I think it's I can't remember exactly who is like uh, his heart might still black in it. And Mance just says, cut it out, like yep. cut it out of his chest. Like, oh, my goodness. Like Mance isn't messing around. He's here to win. He's here to he's not playing games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll see if I can. I can find that. You know, he says and then John also keeps calling Mance your grace. He's like, I'm not your grace. I mean, he's really like checking him to be like, I'm not your Lord. This is not what we're here for. We're here for business. Yeah. Yeah. It was easy to lose your way. And then he's also saying too, John, I like this line here. It was easy to lose your way beyond the wall. John did not know that he could tell honor from shame anymore or right from wrong. Father, forgive me. You know, is what he's. Yeah. What he's thinking, and he is in a tough situation. Like we make light of the Yagret stuff, but like this is this is a sixteen-year-old kid that's getting, or maybe he's fifteen at this point, getting pulled in every direction possible while having to slay someone he thought that was like a legend. I mean, it's just it's really crazy right. to think about John's arc. Well, what do you also? I mean, what do you think too about here is that John is thinking of Ned here and thinking about. It's John did not know that he could tell honor from shame anymore or right from wrong. And he's saying, Father, forgive me when he's right when he's about to lie. So what he says is a lie. And he's thinking to like to his dad, like, you know, I'm always trying to do the right thing, even though John's like whole parentage is based off of a lie. It also just shows the fact that, I mean, Ned Stark was lying, right? And Ned Stark lied to him. So exactly because it was the right thing to do. So John is being more Ned Eddard like than he even knows. And my God, is the shadow of Ned Stark not massive over everyone? Oh, it's, it's con- it continues throughout the whole series. But yeah, great. I mean, great, 
Excellent, excellent line there by uh, by George. Yes. So, okay, I'm gonna uh, pull up just uh, some of the the reread Reddit because I love to just pull this up. And this was back in 2012. Uh, was th- was this when they were reading this one here? So, <clears throat> Tormund is the only one that can make bestiality sound cool. You know, in the <laughs> South, must a man wed every girl he beds? <laughs> you know, like uh, just some funny things here. So I already popped up the one: a strong son by uh, a. For kiss by fire where's the harm in that um you know it goes they compare it to some c.s lewis quote from the silver chair which is the chronicles of, of narnia um saying there's like a similar vibe there giants were outsized men who lived in colossal castles fought with huge swords and walked around in boots a boy could hide in just to reread the children's adventure in the giant's castle makes a great excuse to reread that classic book um just because i guess there's some similar things in there as well um let me see what some other people are saying here so could he have met the wildlings and the northerners were both the north and they must rally together against the others mm. when they talk about like the north yeah because yeah Because I that could be Mance's plan is to get south of the wall and h- hope that the wall is just going to save them. Because that is, I mean, obviously that's what he's trying to do. Yeah, and, th- and they're we, seeing the real threat, right? Like we're we're still they see the real threat, but, but they've been up there. They know what's coming. The Thins are, you know, flying down south, uh, which I don't think they would have been welcomed under normal circumstances. No, it's 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 a mayday, emergency time. I mean, honestly, we could take a look at something like climate change. And look at places like we're talking about the future over here, but there are places already that are in, uh, you know, you can't live there anymore because of the flooding. So it's it's one of those things where they're actually the, they're the first affected by this right disaster, essentially. Yeah, this is so this is a good this is a good quote here too. this person uh, brings up this saying, um, you know, something that troubles me has always been that Ned had an inkling that these matters were happening. Uh, remember, if you go all the way back to like a Game of Thrones, like the like first few chapters, Mance Raider is mentioned like five times in the first like handful of chapter. So like every chapter, Mance Raiders mentioned. So Catelyn won of a Game of Thrones. Um, he was the fourth this year, like a deserter from the Night's Watch. The poor man was half mad. Something had put fear into him so deep. My words could not reach him. He sighed. Benjen writes that the strength of the Night's Watch is down below a thousand. It's not only desertions, they are losing men on ranging as well. Is it the wildlings? She asked. That's Catelyn. Who else? Ned lifted ice, looked down at the cold steel length of it, and it will only grow worse. These days, uh, the day may come when I have no choice but to call the banners and ride north to deal with this king beyond the wall for good and all. Dang. I mean, he definitely so they're, feeling the thing they're thinking that. that. Yeah. So, I mean, Ned is thinking it's the wildlings that are growing out of control up there. Mm-hmm. And he may have to just take Winterfell north of the wall and say, all right, we're going to put an end to this. But, you know, it's kind of crazy to like what would have happened. Ned probably would have met. Ned probably would have d- argued to do the same thing that John did. I would like to think that uh, that Ned has that kind of foresight uh, to see what the bigger threat would have been. But it is interesting at this point, you know, where they think the threat above the wall is the wildling and that the wildlings is this big issue when in reality it's it's far worse than that. Yeah, because if Ned had gone up after Benjen had gone missing and perhaps seen some of this stuff. Yeah, I I think Ned I think Ned, too, would have argued with Robert Hey, we need to let the wildlings south of the wall. Because there's yeah. a bigger threat up there, and if if Mance and they would have along, all the Southerners would have laughed it off. They would have just I'm been about like, to yeah, say, Trump. if there's anyone that's going to get along with Mance Raider, it's going to be the people from Winterfell and, and north of the or north of Co- um, Mo Caitlin, the Neck, right uh, down there uh, with Walter Frey and, and company. So <laughs> I don't know necessarily know if they love the Starks, <laughs> but I think they probably have a little bit more respect for them than people like uh, the Lannisters, for instance. Well, I think Mance has some respect for Ned too because he's snuck in. He's it definitely seems like it. Yeah. Which, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else? Nope. Okay. That's yeah. That's that's mostly it. So. Woo, that's a good one. That's a good fun, episode, that's a, good chapter too. That's a, that's a fun chapter. Next time we're into Sansa, 
and yeah, she's doing stuff with Marjorie. So we'll get into that. I was wondering if there's anything just immediately that sort of uh, connected me. But I will say, uh, just in, even though you know it's been a bit since we hit the last chapter, the Catlin chapter, a lot of the stuff in that Catlin chapter last week, last time, was mm -hmm. like you need to keep your wolves close, which kind of also ties into this. And then Rob keeps reminding her of John's wolf. And John right. said that ghost is way away in this chapter. Yep. Yeah. So there are themes chapter to chapter that you have to try and keep keep yes. in mind. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So. All right. Well, guys, with that, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing a Storm of Swords Sansa 2. And if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com or bendthekneepodcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember that winter is coming.